With supply chains becoming more complex, you need to stay on top of the latest logistics developments. So if you work with logistics, you need the Beyond the Box podcast from Maersk. It's the easy way to keep up to date with everything from digital disruption and logistics to the need for supply chain resilience in today's market. Find out more and keep ahead of the game with the Beyond the Box podcast on logistics insights at maersk.com slash insights. Powered by Clear Vision Development Group, this is Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leaders podcast. Each week, we'll provide you with top business insights, fresh perspectives from world-class guests, and the tools you need to lead better than before. And now, here's your host, author and business coach, Tony Richards. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Better Than Before. This is the CEO and Leaders Podcast Show. We have one clear objective to provide tools, information, and entertainment to make you, our faithful listeners, better than before in business and in life. It's our nation's birthday this week. Bill, are you celebrating the 4th? Yes, uh, the usual barbecue, fireworks. Yeah, with your family? or Yes. Okay. Yep, down in Ashland. I try to avoid the fireworks as much as possible. There has been an escalation of fireworks in my neighborhood, mm-hmm. but we go into Fortress of Solitude in the basement of my home, Oreo, Davy, and I, because Oreo and Davy really don't like it. They're not fans. Oh, no, they're not fans of the sound. Uh, Anne Marie's in North Dakota at uh, the all school reunion and big rodeo and celebration in Towner, North Dakota. Well, sounds like fun. And Oreo and Davy and I don't go because fireworks are massive in Towner, North Dakota. We'll be better off just being in the Fortress of Solitude away from the massive sounds. Anyway, you need to be sure and stop and give thanks and celebrate our freedom. Give thanks for all the people who've paid the price to keep us free as a nation. Have fun in your holiday picnic celebrations and such, but be careful with your fireworks display. We don't want you to get hurt or anything. On the show today, Jason Troy, the best-selling author of the book Social Wealth, a how-to guide in building extraordinary business relationships. He's coming up in just a little bit. Fantastic guy. Great, great knowledge broker. Also, how do you deal with the question, how do I get promoted? And the minute you become a manager, you immediately have people asking you this question. How do I get promoted? I will attempt to answer it somewhat today. And if you fear being wrong, I've got some key questions and a framework to help that in just a minute here on Better Than Before. But first, I want to remind you to get my book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now. It is available at Amazon.com. It's available at BooksAmillion.com, BarnesandNoble.com, and of course, our website, ClearVisionDevelopment.com. If you're more an audio type person, you can get the audio version at Audible.com, and you can listen to your heart's content, get some great info, and get 52 big ideas to help you become a better leader now. So, Producer Bill, do you ever fear being wrong? Sure. So if 
and I've helped clients with this in the past, so I want to share this uh, with you. I, this podcast is all about giving you tools to make you better than before. So I think everybody has moments where they fear, I don't, I don't have the right answer or the thing I'm doing is wrong, and they have an insatiable need to be right. And some people have a bigger need to be right than others, which causes big conflict in their relationship. But we're dealing mainly with the fear of being wrong today. So for the next seven days, here's what I would ask you to do. Over the next week, stop a couple of times a day, maybe uh, once at the midday uh, and once at the end of the day, and ask yourself some questions. What situations came up today that I felt the need to be right and avoid being wrong? And how did that make me either respond or react also, how did other people respond to my behavior of needing to be right and avoid being wrong? How could I have responded that would have been more useful or would have helped the situation instead of hurting the situation? And finally, what did I learn about myself and my leadership from this experience? I mean, the fear of being wrong can cause you some big time trouble with other people. It's incredibly mature, and you know you've grown quite a bit when you can say, I don't know, right? When you can just admit you don't know. Or an even more powerful phrase, I'm sorry, I was wrong. That's even more, more powerful. But when you get into this intellectual and emotional uh, battle over uh, who's right and who's wrong, Sometimes you get way off track from the central issue and you can really damage relationships if you don't tackle that fear head on. Right. So those are some questions that you can use in a framework a couple of times a day to try to alleviate that fear. And remember, fear is not logical. It's emotional. And so it's not real. <laughs> it's just your illusion part of a story you're telling yourself about yourself in the situation. It's okay to be wrong. Uh, it's okay to say, I don't know. It's okay to apologize if you missed it. So just keep that in mind and get rid of that old fear of being wrong because I think that's going to help you quite a bit uh, in your leadership and also in your day-to-day -day, uh, interactions. Jason Troy is coming up next. He's an executive coach and author of the book Social Wealth. We'll get to him in just a second. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Are you working twice as hard but enjoying fewer rewards? Maybe you're highly accomplished but you just can't seem to break through and make the next big move or you run a business that has begun to grow stagnant. It doesn't have to stay that way. Even the best leaders have felt as if their careers were spiraling out of control, but that's when they had to lead and lead big. 
Tony Richards' new book, The Big Idea, 52 Ways to Be a Better Leader Now, will help launch you forward in leadership. Learn how to take charge and lead yourself, lead others, and lead your company. Purchase online today at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and our website, clearvisiondevelopment.com. Welcome back to Better Than Before. I'm Tony Richards. Our special guest today is Jason Troy. He's an executive coach who works with executives, entrepreneurs, and rising stars to maximize their leadership potential and performance. He also helps them build and execute their career blueprint. He's the best-selling author of Social Wealth, a how-to guide on building extraordinary business relationships, which has sold more than 45,000 copies. He was a featured speaker at TEDx Wilmington 2017, where he debuted his breakthrough team building game, which I want to ask Jason about here in just a second. And he hosts the podcast show, Executive Breakthroughs, bringing game-changing CEOs, entrepreneurs, and experts that share their breakthroughs and breakdowns. Jason and I have a whole lot in common, so I'm so glad that you're here today, Jason. Hey, well, thanks for having me on the show and speaking to your fantastic tribe. Yeah, you bet. And how's the weather in Texas today? It's uh, getting hotter. We're starting to get into the summer month and upper 90s is on the way. I think it's low 90s today. Uh, So that's actually going to be cool for the rest of the summer. So you bet. So I want to talk to you about Social Wealth, your um, outstanding book. Tell me a little bit about that. What was your inspiration for writing uh, Social Wealth? Essentially, all in any organization, whatever we're doing is about the relationships we have, both internally and externally. And the challenge is people just don't know how to build these relationships, right? And they look at some people, for instance, that are great salespeople, and they're like, I wonder how they do this magical mystery thing of building these relationships super fast. And then there are people like introverts that are like, well, I wish I could have great conversations that are meaningful with people, but I hate small talk. And there's just a lot of other people with objections and challenges. And so they're living essentially really small lives. And I wanted to make a blueprint. Instead of writing a 300-page book about all these stories, I wanted to give someone an actionable handbook they could go through and they could get results really quickly. Right? And it would be 150 pages or less of just real-world advice, how to step-by-step that if they followed the recipe, put it in the bowl, mixed it, they'd come out with great chocolate chip cookies rather than trying to, you know, 30%, you know, action and 70% marketing and sales in it. So that was really the inspiration behind it because I've realized in my own life, like having great relationships has been something I've been really fortunate to have and learn how to do, but it's been a significant trial and error. And I was looking at all the other books that I was reading, I had to piece together all this information, right? I didn't find it in any central place. And I found that to be exasperating and really difficult. And I wanted to call all this information in one place that people could have it and understand what they need to do. Because a big piece of relationships is a numbers game, right? I mean, you, you can't, you have to meet enough people to figure out the types of people you interact with best. And if you only interact with a few people, you're most likely settling in your relationships because those people may not be the best people. They're the only ones you have available. Yeah. 
Yeah, absolutely. I think there are a lot of people who are looking for that mathematical formula of how to connect quickly and how to build enduring relationships. So it sounds like social wealth has a lot of value. So everybody, you should get that book today. Now, what's the story behind your executive coaching practice? How did you get drawn into that particular profession? You know, I was fortunate in Silicon Valley that when I went out there, I got to, I was at the gold rush and I was just able to work with a lot of great people. I got to work with Steve Jobs, with Reed Hastings, the current CEO of Netflix, um, you know, just tons of other really significant individuals and great leaders and managers. And I got to learn from a lot of these people and see the, the, the things they did well and a lot of the mistakes along the way. And for me, human behavior, trying to figure things out and bring out the best of people was just something that I'm extremely passionate and I'm curious about what I'm really good at doing. And I decided at some point in my corporate career to do a side hustle and then eventually just turned it into something that I was doing full time because it's what I love to do. And it's not really work. It's something that I just enjoy doing. You bet. And so I've, I purposefully left out the name of your team building game because I wanted to let you uh, tell us all about that. So what's, what's the card game about? You know, originally I did a TED Talk, and one of the things about TED Talks is there are few how-to speeches, right? But the problem, again, it's the same way as the book, right? It's like, how do I make it actionable, and how do I make it real? And I came across this research study by Professor Arthur Aaron, and he was trying to build interpersonal closeness between complete strangers. And so he got 54 grad students together to sit across the table that didn't know each other and ask 36 questions over 45 minutes. And these were very vulnerable questions. And what happened is 30% of the people rated their relationship as the closest relationship of their life at the end of 45 minutes. And it's been replicated you know, dozens and dozens of times with hundreds of people in different geographies. And I thought to myself, well, if I could apply this to teams, it could be game changing for the people I'm coaching and managing. Because the key thing is if you can trust with being people at an extreme level you can get engagement eight times as higher and massive productivity gains, right? And how do you do that quickly in minutes? Because the average person, it takes them anywhere between 200 to 400 hours to build extreme trust and a close relationship with someone. So if you could do that in minutes, it'd be breaking the trust curve. It'd be game changing. And so I decided to try it out and get it in from the people and create a game that would ask questions that the only people that would know it would be people in your inner circle but you share it with complete strangers or people on your team or customers or prospects or whatever they might be. And you could fundamentally change the relationship and get inside of the head of the top 1% business people and see exactly how they're doing. And so that's what you do. You just play it in a group. You ask questions such as, you know, what's the most important lesson you've learned in the last year, right? Who's your personal hero and why? And things of that nature. And everyone just answers the question. And it brings people incredibly close and builds tremendous amount of trust. And it's pretty game changing for people that go ahead and do it. Because at the end of the day, it's the words we use that matter more even than our actions. Because if, if everyone who gets married has to say, I do. Now, walking down the altar doesn't matter, right? If you don't tell someone I love you, the relationship will always be in doubt. So in fact, really words matter more than actions. And so you have to share with people and how you skyrocket trust is through vulnerable sharing. And that's really the number one way. And it's really the only way 
Everything else is secondary that you do in a team building or team environment. And people just forget about this and they skip best part of it. And then they have teams that are underperforming. So the name of the game is? Cards Against Mundanity. Yes. And is that a play on the Cards Against Humanity game? Yeah, it is. Right. When I was doing this, I asked a lot of smart people what they would name it. And they thought they uh, people came up with that name or pretty similar ones as one they would go with. And I was like, well, smart people are telling me this, then I should go ahead and name it. So I have a free version that you can get at cardsagainstmundanity.com. And then there's a paid version, which is I've, I just created physical playing cards because people kept asking me for it. Is there a card deck I could use rather than a PDF? And so... You know that's available for people too. Yes, my my team is chomping at the bit to get a copy of the game. So, uh, I'm 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 sure we're going to be playing cards against mundanity here pretty soon. Yep, you'll enjoy it, and so will everyone else. And what's really interesting is, so when I do this as a speech, I have seven questions I use, and I ask people. I've asked tens of thousands of people so far. You know it. Do does anyone could anyone in your team answer all seven of these questions about and know the answers you said and and no one's ever raised their hand and then I ask a question, you know, does anyone in your personal life could they answer all seven of these questions and a few people have and I've gone up to them afterwards and I said I will give you free coaching for the rest of your life every single month once a month if we call that person and they can answer that's those seven questions. And of course, no, no one never answered back. So that's what's really interesting about it, right? We really don't know anything about the people we're around and they don't really know our experiences. And that causes the most distrust and why people miscommunicate and are misunderstood is because they don't know critical information about us, about our past experience that helped to connect the dots and how best to interact, serve information to us, support us, argue with us, apologize. Etc. Yeah, the two ways you get to know people is over time, which takes a while, and through mistakes, which are often painful, right? We, we, yes. we, we learn, you know, by doing wrong things. And then uh, after enough time goes by, we, we finally learn a lot about people. So this would definitely speed up the process, I would think. Yes. Yeah, it sets up considerably. And whenever I'm doing team conflict work, which is interesting because I'm getting more and more of them, I start off this because it helps people share in a group to see that a lot of their problems and, and prejudices and biases stem from things about the other person that they don't understand that actually have deeply affected the other person and made them on guard or really closed off or other things and not because they don't like the other person or they're out to get them but of other challenges they're having in their own life and the things that have gone on right so I think they're really helpful for people to get that insight because, like you said, I mean, we live in an agile world, right? We don't live back in 1960 where people are working with each other for 20, 30, 40 years. We don't have the luxury of time. Time is actually working against us. So the people that can shorten this curve will maximize their performance and competitiveness versus other people, regardless of what other product, service, or even size of organization that they have, right? It's about the team and how they work together, which is all the data, which shows you how competitive they are in the marketplace, right? Google's Project Aristotle, people want to look that up, shows that the number one factor is psychological safety for high performance. It's not individual performance or being an all-star person. 
So, Jason, you mentioned a couple of words there that tie into this uh, path I want to go down. Conflict, working together, uh, performance, uh, which leads me to the topic of culture. So I'm sure you're drawing on some of your experiences. You worked in some high-performance cultures in Silicon Valley, and you've coached some people that have created uh, some high-performance culture. What What's a key concept to understand about creating a high-performance culture in an organization? Well, I think first you have to create extreme trust with people, right? Trust is the fundamental building block that people skip over. And I would, how you think about extreme trust is on a scale of one to five. One would be, I absolutely distrust you. Five would be extreme trust. If it's not a five, it's essentially a zero. So that's step one. Step two is you've got to create a psychologically safe environment where people can speak up, share their opinions, give feedback, right? Don't have to be perfect. I mean, all of these things are required because it's a lot of it's trial and error. And sure, there has to be accountability, but if you don't allow people to be themselves and bring out the best in each other, which usually happens because they're living either in a culture of fear or of being perfect or of measured on some straight metrics without really understanding what's behind it, um, you then create a fragmented team, right? And then culture overall that underperforms. And trust is kind of a, can be a little bit fuzzy uh, or, or sort of feeling oriented. How do you, how do you coach people or instruct people on building trust? Well, I think how you have to do it is the same thing that's done in the game, is that you really have to understand people's experiences. So there's one way of doing it through the game, which I think is helpful to understand it, and there's a lot of questions you can use. The second way is developing a user manual for yourself and other people by asking questions, right? Like, what's the best way to communicate with you? How do you like to be approached with difficult information? What are your pet peeves? What are the best time of day to bring you information, right? And a whole host of other questions. So people essentially give you the user manual on how to interact with them exactly out of their words and out of their mouth, right? And you can do it by interviewing people or you can do it by writing it down and then going in and reviewing it with those individuals on your team. And that would be your manager or anyone else, right? And that creates less confusion because the problem is, like you mentioned before, what happens is someone goes in a team, right? And then they have to try to figure all this out by trial and error, right? They have to guess and hope they have it right and interpret it. And that causes massive rifts and conflicts because we make up stories and false narratives about other people, especially ones that we don't feel like exactly agree with us or aren't of the same mold we are, right? And then that creates all these other issues, right? And then hurt feelings and misinterpretations instead of actually asking someone, how do you approach it? How do you do this, right? And like, what's the best way? How does someone rebuild trust with you, right? And then I find that like those two things are a huge step in creating, right, building trust with people, which then, you know, the other steps and other things you can start to get to much easier, but you can't do that. If you don't learn how to crawl, you can't learn how to walk and then run. Great. How about uh, blind spots? Let's talk about leaders and their blind spots. How can leaders, first of all, discover where they might have a blind spot. And then once they've identified it, how can they begin to close that 
blind spot window somewhat and replace that with a better habit or a better skill set or a better awareness? Right. I mean, I think that that's, you know, along with teamwork, right, and team building, I mean, self-awareness are the top two soft skills out there. And they're the mo least understood, right, and people don't invest the least amount of time in them also, right? Because the data is 95% of people think they're self-aware, but only 10 to 15% are. And it's worse the higher up you get because no one's giving you feedback. So the couple things that you can do, one is you have to create an environment and seek out feedback from other people and ask them questions, right? Such as, what are things that I'm doing great, right? What are things I could be doing better or more of? Or what things should I be doing less of, right? What things do you think are crippling me? And to seek that information out, because the problem is when doing 360 reviews, because they've seen thousands of them and very few people use them, probably in the single digits in organizations that actually are effective. In fact, they usually make problems worse, is that you're getting feedback from other people and you get defensive. But if you seek it out, you're not, because it's something that's going to help you and you can ask follow-up questions for clarity in front of them. And people will be much more candid with you, too, about what's really going on. The second thing is really understanding the patterns that are driving you, right, and your blind spots. And most of these patterns are starting, you know, coming from things that happened in childhood or some trauma or something else, right? So, for instance, like a, a common problem is being a poor listener. And what happens is, for instance, I've had people who've grown up in households that have had a lot of kids or family members, right? So what happens is they have to scream over everyone to get heard or fight through it to get mom and dad's attention and to get them to do something. So early on, they learned that listening doesn't help them. In fact, it won't get them what they want. And it's usually at some point or other in their career, it's been helpful for them to get them to wherever they're currently at. But now they're in a leadership position and they have to listen to other people. They have to get feedback. They have to build consensus, get by and get to know people. Well, they're really poor at that because their whole life they haven't been doing it. So you have to go back and understand these patterns and things that have been going on because essentially they're creating their ceiling for them. Because if they don't get over that, they're going to be sabotage their career because they won't be able to go any higher. In fact, people will rebel and leave them and they'll probably get fired or they'll underperform significantly and they'll never know why. And they won't figure it out because they'll attribute it to other things. Like people come and tell me and say, well, the team isn't doing as well. They can't communicate. They're not working hard enough, whatever it is. So it really comes back from seeking feedback and looking at your patterns. And you know, the last thing you can do is start asking more what questions and why. Instead of why is this happening to me, what caused this to occur, right? And start to dig for the root cause analysis. So I'm sure there are a lot of people who are listening right now who are saying, oh my gosh, that's me. I, I've, I have that. I grew up like that. That's manifesting itself in my career right now. What, what actions can this person take to really nail those patterns down and and then what can they do uh, to reverse that nosedive that they may be in? Well, I think one of the things that you can start to do is start asking yourself a questions of, you know, and I go through this pretty quickly, what I call anatomy of change is one, ask yourself, like, what are the stories I'm making up about whatever's going on, right? What are the external stories? Like in an issue where it's a New Year's resolution, right? and you want to get in better shape. Well, the stories you're making up is I can't get to the gym because my family's putting 
restraints on me. I can't eat well because I don't have time to cook, right? And then you look at the next stage is looking at what negative emotions are unfelt, right? That are causing it, right? It might come up with sadness, um, shame, guilt, whatever first comes to mind, because that'll help you start to tap into what it is you're feeling. Then you got to look the next level down is whatever limiting beliefs that you have about yourself, right? And I, and I look at them in two ways. One is I'm not enough. What don't you feel enough of? And then the second one is the question of who do I think I am, imposter syndrome, and who do I think I am, right, that I could ever lose weight or get in better shape and really get brutally honest. And then the last question is, is to ask yourself, right, when's the first time I remember feeling like this, right, with all of those things we talked about? What's the first time I ever feeling like this? Because then you could start to trace back what was the trigger and when did this first happen? Because that will help you reverse it back up the stack once you realize what is the root cause. And these are hard to do by yourself, but you know you need to do a level of self-inquiry and looking in your accountability mirror in it, right? And then again, you can start asking questions and find five or seven people to seek feedback from that are you know people that are your colleagues, people you report into, people that are customers, people you know anyone else external, and start asking them about you know what skills. Do I do well? What do you think that I need to work on or could get better? What, you know, what's one area if I don't get better on that you think will really haunt me, right? Um, and get brutally honest and get some questions and start getting some feedback from people and just tell them, look, if you don't tell me, I can't get any better. And I need you to be brutally candid with me. I can take the feedback. I just can't take the silence because I can't solve it in my own head. The voices in my head aren't helping me. So I need you to help me. And you got to start somewhere, right? And I think if you do this, and essentially at some point, you're going to have to get some outside help because our brain is organized around survival. It's not around thriving. So you can't solve these things all by yourself, unfortunately. It's just not how we're made. Um, that's not a ploy for coaching. That's just the way that it just goes sounds like a good reason for it though it is it's a great reason for it right i mean honestly the number one challenge every person i work with is self-awareness right and it just change happens from the inside out and i used to do it the opposite way right i used to go in and tell people well tell me about what's going on with your team or whatever even um, issues with team conflicts, right? Instead of going and trying to bring people together, right, right away, what I do is um, I'll actually start doing my team building game so they can hear each other's answers, so they can actually hear the patterns. And then next, I'll work with them one-on-one -on -one and talk about their blind spots and work on all that, and then I'll bring them together. Because then they can have a much more candid conversation about what's going on internally, and they can give avoid, you know, uh, words to their thoughts and explain what's going on to the other person. And then they change, it's a game changer in resolving conflicts and building tighter teams. So, um, it's, it's a key component for whatever it is that we do. Just a fantastic job today, Jason, of sharing great information, great concepts. Everybody should get your book, Social Wealth. And uh, thanks so much for sharing so much great information with us. I've got uh, something that is very close to Cards Against Mundanity. Is I ask the same 12 questions of everybody who comes on the show. And I kind of want to uh, wrap up our time together by asking you those 12. And uh, again, it can be in rapid fire. Uh, just first thing comes to mind. Is that okay? That works for me. Great. What's the best memory that comes to mind for you? I think Christmas with my parents when I was six years old. What, what, uh, 
what what's stimulating about that uh we got along and it was just fun and my parents told me that there was a deer tracks outside and santa was there and there actually was deer tracks and so i did believe it and my dad took me outside and then what happened was my mom took my dad's boots and went into the fireplace and she's a clean freak. So this is why it's also interesting and put them on the floor to show that Santa was actually there. Wow. So it was a pretty great memory. Number one hero in your life. You know, probably it's, it changes. I probably say now it's, uh, my girlfriend and, fiance soon to be and her kids because they're just amazing people and just inspire me to be a better person every day what's the top value you subscribe to you know i would say choosing courage over comfort most important person in your life well i would choose that my girlfriend slash fiance and her kids what's your favorite thing in the whole world that's really tough. I, I love people. Okay. So I'm, I'm a people person. Favorite food? I'd have to pick sushi. Most beautiful place you've ever visited? New Zealand by far. If you could describe success in one word, what would that word be? I'd probably say, I'd probably say courage. How do you want to be remembered? Bringing out the best in other people. I love it. What's some advice for a younger Jason? Step out of your comfort zone and embrace uncertainty and realize that life works in a nonlinear fashion. That You won't connect the dots as easily as you think. What's your favorite sound? Footprints of my dogs. What's your dog's names? Romeo and Jack. All right. What kind of dogs? Uh, a mini Australian shepherd that we adopted and then a border doodle. Okay. So we both got these dogs together. So that's also what makes them special. Yep. I've got two Australian shepherds. So, Oh yeah. I have a mini one. He's only 28 pounds. So he's pretty awesome. What's the best lesson you've ever learned? Patience. <laughs> have more of it. Jason Troy, executive coach. He works with executives, entrepreneurs, and rising stars to maximize their leadership potential and performance, and he helps them build their career blueprint. He is also the inventor of the game Cards Against Mundanity, and he's also a speaker. Jason, if people want to find out more about you and uh, some of the other things you offer, how could they do that? They can go to my website at jasontroy.com. That's jasontreu.com. Man, you're a good friend. Thanks for being on the show today. Hey, thanks for having me on. All right. Jason Troy, everybody. I'll have more with Better Than Before right after this. We fit a lot of life into our Subaru Forester. Over the years, we trusted it to carry and protect the things that were most important to us. We always knew we had a lot of life ahead of us. That's why we chose a car we knew would be there for us through it all. Welcome to the all-new 2019 Subaru Forester, the SUV for all you love. Test drive one today at University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. From here, been here, always will be here. Receive weekly coaching tips from Tony Richards, delivered straight to your inbox. Whether you're a CEO or an entrepreneur, Tony can help you reach your goals and give you a competitive edge within your industry. 
Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo covers topics ranging from leadership development to teamwork to company culture and more. Text the word leadership to 38470 to sign up for Tony's Monday Morning Coaching Memo or sign up online at clearvisiondevelopment.com. This is Tony Richards, and this is Better Than Before, the CEO and Leaders podcast show. And if you've been a manager for five minutes, you've probably already been asked this question by some people who report to you. How do I get promoted? Bill, have you ever asked that question? Um, maybe. Yep, I have. I mean, I think anybody you know who's ever been in a role wants to know what you got to do to to get rewarded, right? What do you got to do to to move up or get to the next level, so to speak? And so we know people have been asking this question for decades. You've asked it. I've asked it. We've all asked it. And when people who ask you how to get promoted, I want to know, what do you think the percentage of managers out there know what to say when someone asks that? Mm. I doubt if you've really sat and thought about, you know, well, you'd have to do this and you'd have to do this. I mean, we're usually generally unprepared when someone asks us that question. But let's start with how you ask, because how you ask the question is really important. And I will tell you right now, if it's flippant or blasé, just go ahead and write the person off. Well, how do you get promoted around here? You know, if, if it's that just forget it. You're not, you, you know, you don't take anything seriously enough to even be considered. And that's just who I am. Okay. Well, that's who you are. We don't want you to get promoted. If it's legit, if it's a legit, you know, no, seriously, I really want to know how do I get promoted? Then you can offer to sit down with them and have a serious conversation about it. And the worst thing you can do is shoot from the hip right there because they will remember everything you say. And they will say, oh, remember when we had that talk and you said this and you said that and you're, you're, you're clueless because they caught you off guard and they started talking to you and you just shot from the hip, right? So you need to have time to sit down, make some notes and think about what is it you would really like this person's output to be, right? So I, I just think if you walked into most of the companies in America today and said, can I have your published document? that tells me how to get promoted, I doubt many companies would have the exact list of things you need to do. So one great response for you as a manager is, I'm so glad you asked. It's not a negative question and don't take it as something negative. Don't go, oh, what do you want now? You know, don't, don't give off that vibe. It's a fair question. And if that person is thinking of building a career with you, it's a wonderful positive. A lot of people realize they're going to have four or five companies on their resume, so they're looking to stay somewhere and getting promoted. That's a good thing because people job hop. You know, I, I knew a person once that had 15 jobs on their resume. I mean, they went and worked at a lot of different places. And most people will work at four or five, maybe six. But if they're thinking about staying with you and they want to know how to get to the next place, that's not bad. That's good. So you need to say, I'm so glad you asked. 
and set up a time to sit down and have a conversation or a discussion about it. And if you don't know the answer to the question, that'll give you a chance to get prepared so you can answer in a way where you'll remember it'll mean something to them. If you set up a time to actually sit down and talk about it and not have the uh, quick starter conversation at the water cooler, they'll take it more seriously too. Because they're like, oh, we're going to have a meeting. Oh, this is serious, right? So you need to do that. Now, on the other side, if you're the person who's saying, how do I get promoted? Let me give you some clues. Okay, let me give you some tips uh, on probably a good way to at least get somebody's attention and, and make them think that, hey, this might be a person we can promote. Maybe you won't ever have to ask, right? And the first one is get to work early. So whatever time that the doors open, get there a little early. And this was instilled into me by my grandfather years ago at the feed store because we opened at 7. That was not get there at 7. That was be open at 7. In other words, have all the doors open. If everything, we had to get it ready the night before when we closed. But if anything needed preparation, you know, get it prepared and get ready for customers to walk in the door at seven o'clock. Don't start opening at seven, be open at seven. So I would say get, get to work early. That's a good thing. I have long been a proponent of nixing out any um, employee of the month awards. I don't like employee of the month. I don't like any of those kinds of things because Several people win them several times in a row, and it doesn't take long for everybody to win it, and then it's not special anymore, right? There's just a lot of reasons I don't like it, but I remember once people came to me and said, we want to do an Employee of the Month award, and we're going to have a special parking spot out front for the Employee of the Month. I'm like, I can tell you how to get that parking spot. They're like, how? And I'm like, get here early. (laughs) That's how you get that parking spot. You don't have to win an award for it. Just be the first one here. Number two, speak up and make positive contributions at team meetings. Don't speak up and be critical all the time. Don't speak up with negativity. Don't speak up and ask outrageous questions or make outrageous statements or make outrageous demands. Make positive contributions at team meetings. If you want to do that other stuff, talk to your supervisor in a closed-door meeting one-on-one. Keep the negativity out of the team stuff, right? But speak up and make positive contributions in team meetings, and people will then come to believe that you're on the team and you're here to work together and you want to make things better. Number three, reach out and work across departments. Don't silo yourself. So do not be walled off in your department thinking you're better than everybody else or thinking that you don't have to talk to people across departments. Reach out, be proactive, be collaborative across departments. Don't silo yourself out. Don't be the lone ranger. Don't be the lone wolf on the prairie out there howling your negativity. Try to work with everybody, okay? Number four, be fun. No boss wants to see employees who act like they're grinding away at a job. It makes them miserable. If you can do your work, do it well, and have fun at the same time, you're a force that will definitely impress. If the fun approach is too bold for you, how about just focusing on being happy? If you can't be fun, how about just being happy? Right? Try to smile. Keep your tone upbeat. Even when you're tackling big issues, it's not always easy, but it is effective. And number five, know their priorities. 
Do you know your boss's goals? Do you know your boss's goals for the department? Do you know what the one, two, three, four, and five big things that your boss wants to accomplish are? If you do, you can be part of them and you can push that agenda. If it's important to your boss, you make it important to you. So make sure you talk to them regularly to get a feel for what their priorities are. They don't have to match up perfectly with your priorities necessarily, but make sure you're giving enough attention to the stuff that they want done. So, I mean, that's not too difficult, is it? Five things, right? Be early to work, speak up and make positive contributions, get rid or at least reduce your negativity, reach out and work across departments, be fun, can't be fun, be happy. And number five, know your boss's priorities and work their agenda, not your agenda, if you want to get promoted. That's our show today. We're brought to you by University Subaru. From here, been here, always will be here. University Subaru, your truly locally owned dealer. You can subscribe to our show, Apple, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, and C-Suite Radio Network, plus TuneIn Radio. Thank you for subscribing to our podcast. We drop a new episode every Tuesday. You can follow me on Twitter at TonyRichards4 and ClearVisionDEV. On behalf of our associate producer, Whitney Coker, and our chief producer, William Foster, you know I'm Tony Richards, reminding you that everything gets better when you get better. Thank you for listening to Better Than Before with Tony Richards, a business leader's podcast powered by Clear Vision Development Group. For more resources from Tony, visit clearvisiondevelopment.com. Join us next time for another episode of Better Than Before with Tony Richards. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.